Welcome, everyone. Welcome tonight's the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. A moment in sports that we all want to forget. The late, great, legendary Kobe Bean Bryant dying at the age of 41 in a tragic helicopter accident. Myself and an exciting guest joins us to discuss that and much, much more, including the Super Bowl and a dark, cloudy weekend that we all want to forget as sports fans. Senior Bowl talks and much, much more. Myself and Michael Gray, the catalyst to bring you this next. Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. the studios here in the Sebi Podcast radio show, myself and Michael Gray, a familiar cast on the Sebi Podcast show. Uh, <laughs> I should ask you, Mike, how you feeling, but I think I already know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty down, man. These last 48 hours or so have been, been rough. They've been very brutal, man. My childhood idol, my hero at the time, Kobe Bryant, got killed this weekend, and to be honest with you, I don't know. It's been hard to sleep. It's been hard to process everything. It's been, it's been hard to get sports stuff because, you know, your mind is just so thought, so focused on that. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been tough. But as Kobe would want it, you know, bring that mama mentality to everything that you do in life. So, you know, I just continue to keep pushing. I've been doing good, though. How about you, man? Uh, we're doing well. I mean, it's it's been hectic on my end as well. Not being able to function and think right and uh, having uh, and having a global icon like that just – pass away in such travesty is was probably you know the worst part of my weekend but nevertheless we're here we're ready to go um before we start here we want to take 24 seconds honoring kobe 24 seconds in a moment of silence Amen. All right. And without further ado here, so, I mean, it's a lot been going on besides the Kobe Bryant issue here, of course. Um, a lot that's going on. You have you had a couple weeks off this weekend, not covering a lot of Georgetown games and not covering uh, uh, with the VCU Rams. Talk to us about that, because I know you got a big game this week, tonight that you're actually about to attend. Yeah, definitely. Georgetown has a big game tonight against number 13, Ray Butler. Ray Butler, they... um. But, but Butler hasn't been playing well these last few games. They've actually lost some games in conference play. That uh, lost some games to some teams that Georgetown has already beaten this year. So it's going to be a heavyweight fight tonight, a very competitive matchup. Uh, VCU, I haven't really been covering them out in Richmond lately, but uh, they they they've been they've been winning pretty winning pretty decent so far. I'll, I'll be there in a couple of weeks on February fifteenth when they come when they play Richmond and Sebi. Uh, for those people that don't know. 
that VCU Richmond rivalry, something serious right there in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. It's it's special. So I can't. I'm I'm excited for that game. I can't wait. The voice of the DMV area and the voice of college hoop, Michael Gray, there for sure. And of course, everything that's going on. I, I think obviously this news took the world in travesty. The sports world, a day where you know not a lot of people uh, could actually function. And we actually have a special guest with us this evening to kind of dissect with that. Uh, my next guest here is a former and retired sports journalist. She is also a former, well, she's a current sports journalist, but a former cheerleader for the former San Diego Chargers, mm. an advocate for women empowerment and mental health, Miss Bridget Case. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm good. I was going to say, oh, I didn't know I was formal. I was already retired from journalism. I better, I better leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, good. you know, that was, that was a little uh, twister there. So in case you didn't know, <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. it. Well, no doubt. All right. Um, awesome. The voice of after your orange slices, should I say. And of course, we can't forget your giveaways. We got to tell you, you've got some of the best giveaways the Starbucks oh, for your last one. I got to say, when is the next one? <laughs> you know, I was going to do one this week. I wasn't sure what day, but I was thinking for Super Bowl, I'd do a Starbucks giveaway. Um, so, you know what? That's a good way to follow my Instagram because I just go check my stories. But I'm hoping I'm hoping sometime later this week. So sometime between today and the big game on Sunday. Um, you, I mean, I know you guys know how to do it, but I, I love just like interacting with my fans and you know, giving people free Starbucks, whether that means they're going to work or, you know, they just need to pick me up, especially through like the hard times we've been through this week. Um, for me, I mean, I, I know I said, I didn't want to talk about it, but for me, it was extremely personal. Um, and I think that like, it's just special sometimes to reach out to people you don't even know. And it's like people messaged me after getting their Starbucks and it just makes me happy to make somebody's day, you know, you know, continue being candy. <laughs> oh, so we definitely, definitely appreciate that there for sure. So um, to kind of dive in on the Kobe things, there's a lot of things. This was this man was a great humanitarian and a great global icon. This man knew three fluent languages. So we, we there's a lot that we can say about Kobe's death, but I, I want to focus on some of the great things that Kobe did in his career and, and your thoughts on that, Bridget. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. I mean, like I posted something today about um, him being a girl dad. I don't know if anybody saw the I'm sure everyone did. But if you saw this, but the little special dedication that L. Duncan did on ESPN yesterday, um, you know, she really highlighted the fact that he had four daughters. And of course, basketball was his passion. But being a dad was his number one priority. And, you know, that's why I feel like I always really resonated. With me. Um, I mean, I still have my number eight jersey. It probably doesn't even fit me anymore. But, like, I <laughs> always knew that, you know, Kobe is a family man first. He really turned his life around from, you know, way back when, when, you know, things went down. But just for him to be such a example in the community um, and to sadly go down as a father um, doing what he loved most, being a dad, um, being there for his kid, taking his kid to a game, um, taking his kid with other teammates to a game. Um, so, which was obviously extremely personal for me because I knew the other two families on the flight and, um, one of, and one of the moms on the flight was, um, my elementary school teacher and 
she's an amazing woman, Mrs. Chester. And um, I was... Yeah, definitely. Condolences to that. <sighs> Thank you. Um, and, but it's, I mean, it just shows the, t- it just shows the kind of man though that he was, you know, like he was taking friends and his family, you know, with him. He wasn't just some selfish using his helicopter to get places. Um, you know, he used his celebrity status for, for goodness because those are really good people who were all on the, on the, um, the flight with him. So. Definitely there. Mike, um, you know, I want to afford this to you when we, again, we try to focus on the positives and not the negatives uh, through this hard time. When you think about Kobe Bryant, the eight, the 24, who, the ruthless competitor that he was, what does the Mamba mentality symbolize? It, it, talk to us about that, Mike. It symbolizes his passion and his want to and his relentlessness to get whatever it is he wanted in life. I mean, you know, yes, he was a, an amazing basketball player, so he used the Mamba mentality to really hone in on the basketball skills, but you can tell that the type of person he was, he didn't just have the Mamba mentality on the court. He had it off the court as well, like like Bridget was saying with his daughters. He put a lot of energy into the w, into uh, women's basketball, uh, college, collegially, and in the WNBA. You know, the, the amount of women, girls, girl uh, basketball players that he touched, you know, knowing, just knowing the fact that, you know, his daughter will be, was going to be one of the ones at UConn, one of the ones possibly in the WNBA. Just the just the type of – that Mamba mentality wasn't just on the court. We saw it on the court. We saw uh, opponents fear him on the court. But he used that same Mamba mentality off the court uh, in, in everything that he did in life, being a father, being a husband, uh, being a, a philanthropist, a humanitarian, everything, the, uh, you know, winning a Grammy. He, he put that Mamba mentality, that killer mentality into every aspect of his life and not just the court. And that's why pe- people like myself and other Kobe fans out there really appreciate him because he showed us what hard work, the combination of hard work and a- a- ability, and you put them together, how how special of a, a moment, how special of a, a brand you can make. And that's exactly what Kobe was. He was a special he was a special person, but he was a different kind of a special person because he touched so many lives. I remember Sebi, one of the one of the uh one of the things that 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 Kobe got a lot of praise for back in the day when he was winning championships with Shaq was he was the first superstar to ever go to go to the Rucker. Ever go to Rucker Park and play and play at, at the court up there in New York City. And that right there alone just let him know it wasn't it was deeper for Kobe. He was for the culture. He he was he didn't he didn't he didn't mind taking pictures with anybody. He didn't mind having a conversation with anybody, dropping game knowledge with anybody. That's that's who Kobe was. He just had no problem uh, entertaining the culture. He loved uh, his people. He loved us. He loved his fans. He loved everybody. That that's the type of person Kobe was. And and you know it's just sad, but that mama mentality is something that will live on forever. One of the things that resonated with me, um, I remember when I was in the eighth grade, I actually got a chance to meet Kobe. I haven't told anybody this. I was in the eighth grade, and um, since I had a young age, you know, sports has always been my thing and the field that I, I knew I wanted to get into. Uh, so I had the opportunity to be one of these selected uh, kids uh, to go to the locker rooms and work with the Orlando Magic in their finals run in 2009. And at that time, the Lakers and the Magic were – um, meeting and colliding in the finals with Dwight and, and Kobe and his company. And um, I had the opportunity to go to the visitors locker room where Kobe was and Lamar Odom, Paul Gasol and all these guys. And so I was just this, this young kid um, in front of giants and medias. You see guys with cameras and, and, and lights and everything. And what resonated with me is 
I'm just this young kid wearing a, <laughs> wearing a magic uniform in a visitor's locker room and, and, and Laker players and, and Laker faithful and medias are just looking at me. And there's like, who the hell is this kid? And so I, I'm just a young kid with a, with an Android phone trying to get in contact and take a picture with Kobe. And in the midst of him answering conversation, in the midst of him, um, you know, with paparazzis and, and, and media all over him, he sees a young guy. And I approach him and I say, uh, and, and he says, excuse me, can I have that young gentleman walk there? And that young kid was myself. And that opportunity for me to just re- just know who Kobe was. I, to, we all know about the competitiveness. We know about the, the guy that he is on the court. But what resonated with me is off the court. What people didn't know is how candid he was off the court, mm-hmm. um, being able to hold others account and being able to embrace others. I I thought that moment to me was like, okay, this is the side of Kobe Bean Bryant that, you know, the media doesn't know about and closed doors don't know about. And at that time that resonated with me hard. So um, it's, 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 it's hard for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right, man. It definitely is. And you know, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe will go down like legends. We say all the time, legends live forever. It's one of those situations where yes, yeah, he, He's gone and his daughter's gone, but you know, legends live forever. And and uh, no matter no matter what what anybody else anybody else says, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe will always always be here. You know, no matter what. So Kobe will always be here for sure. And we expect the NBA to definitely do um, an honor for him, as he basically was just like an ambassador for the NBA in the early 2000s for sure. So uh, back to you, Bridget. Um, you being your specialty on um obviously being a huge advocate for women and women rights and, and things of that nature. Obviously a major topic is women in sports. Um, the discrepancy between males and their salaries and women in salaries. Talk to us about that and, and how you're looking in your mission to kind of um, achieve, kind of push that forward and to kind of change those rights and things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it's a great way to transition because I mean, like you said, Kobe was such an advocate for women's rights. He was such a supporter of women's basketball um, at every level. But um, I mean, I think I think it's great. I think we're making progress when it comes to talking about salary um, inequality. You know, obviously the WNBA just um, announced the new CBA that uh, holds up you know new higher wages, paid maternity leave. That's the thing. Like people don't understand these WNBA players. They have to hold other jobs during the year just yep. to keep going, just to support right. their children um, or have to take time off during the season because they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. It's like people don't understand all of the th- things that women go through because we're just biologically women. Um, and it's unfortunate that it's like you almost get penalized for it. Um, and I think, yes, it's great that we're having the conversation, but I mean, we're nowhere near where we need to be yet. Um, and this is just scratching the surface. You know, it's only made its way through a few sports. Um, obviously, the women's national soccer team standing up for equal pay as well. Um, I mean, those women are superstars in their own right. I feel like more men know who um, the women's team is rather than the men's team, let's be honest. Um, right. So it's it's just, I think that, we've come to 2020 where women are deserving of not just being known, but for being recognized and, and being 
shown that they deserve that respect. And I think that that does come with a wage, unfortunately. I mean, money isn't everything, yes, but it's like for so long I did everything just kind of saying like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this for the experience or, you know, I'm just trying to get my foot in the door, things like that. But unfortunately, there comes a point where you're just being taken advantage of. And I think that, you know, as 2020, um, as we get into 2020 here, we're starting to make a headway, but, um, you know, it's nowhere, we're nowhere near where we need to be yet. Bridget Case of After Orange Slices on the panelists with us tonight. And, and I got to bring this back to you. So um, you, with your, your podcast, uh, I've been listening to, there's a, a huge emphasis in, in women empowerment and things of that nature, but also the emphasis in mental health. So with guys like in the NBA, kind of like Kevin Love and, mm-hmm. and Chris Bosh, when he used to play in his past, mental health was a huge thing that they dealt with in closed doors that not a lot of people knew about. So as in terms of that and and using your emphasis and mission on that, what do you address when it comes to that type of uh, topic? Um, Well, mostly just addressing, hey, like use the resources that are given to you. I think that the biggest problem with athletes is nobody knows where to go. Like when you're struggling, nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows who to talk to. I know when I was a cheerleader in college and in the NFL, I didn't know who to talk to. Or when I would reach out to a teammate, they didn't really know how to help me. Um, And I feel like, yes, we are, again, making progress with the resources that we have on college campuses, on NBA squads. But um, I feel like most people just don't even know that they're there or it's taboo to reach out. And sometimes we give people this is really sad to say, but sometimes we give people pass when they're super famous or, you know, they have that celebrity status. So we say, oh, you know, yeah, they are struggling. Like, that's so unfortunate. But let's be real. If you see Joe Schmo at work over there and you hear that he's struggling with depression or anxiety, um, having panic attacks, would you start judging him? You know, you really have to think about that stuff by yourself. I know that I've been in situations um, at work where I've had bosses disapprove of dealing with your mental health. So I feel like, yes, it's great that the conversation is open. Again, it's the whole open conversation thing, but like it's just still not fully accepted for everybody in our society. And and, and I guess my retort would be, how do we change that? How do we change that as um, consumers of the game? How do we change that as, as outlets like us? Where, where, where is our voices heard? I mean, I think that needs to come from more regular people. You know, I mean, I love having celebrities come out as advocates, but I think maybe more celebrities need to work with younger kind of regular Joe Schmoes who are standing up for themselves and saying like, hey, I struggle. Like, it's okay if you struggle too, because, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where people think that they're alone and they think like, I can't say anything because I'm not special enough. Nobody will care about me that I am struggling. So it's just a little bit of a different conversation. But if we can start just having that, um, I feel like if we could just do the same things that we are doing, but in a different way, if that makes sense, like using kind of different, um, like think about commercials, for example, on every like prostate cancer commercial or whatever, or like a, Viagra commercial, you don't see tons of celebrities, right? You see like everyday people. And I feel like if we just put more everyday faces out there to make people feel less alone, then that would make people feel more comfortable coming out and addressing the issues that they're dealing with. 
Interesting thought there, Mike. Yeah, that's that that that's one of the keys as well too. Because um, yeah, you're right. It's one thing hearing it from celebrities, but I think behind closed doors, with the without these cameras rolling, uh, we need to do better works in the community as, as far as policing people because, you know, it starts in the house with me. If if you if you feel uncomfortable, if you can't if you can't even open up or or, or express how you feel in your house, then th- th- that's that's a problem in and of itself. Then you'll go out there searching for searching for answers from somebody that probably doesn't have your best interest, or, or searching for answers from somebody. Who probably who probably doesn't even care to be honest with you. It doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. even care about it, and that's and that's the problem. Most of the time, we don't really care about certain things like mental health, depression, and things like that until it affects us or it affects someone that we're, we're really close to. So I think uh, that that right there alone is uh, is one of the reasons why it's not as as talked about as much in the in the public eye. But you know, I think we start if we, if we start understanding that this is real, especially something in our community that this is real and this is something that's really going on. Then we then we then we'll put major emphasis on it and you know start to start start rallies or start you know these programs or start it all it all starts with somebody somebody to, to gather the community to gather police your own community to the point where if everybody does that that's a step in the right direction. Right, right, rightfully so. Um, and back to you, Bridget. I have this question here. Um, talk about some of the brightest NBA WNBA stars. We know about Elena Dell and Don. We know about Maya Moore. Um, ladies like Diana Taurasi and stuff like that. Um, how, how we understand the community aspect of it, but how can their voices be heard? Like people like that, that have stardom potential and, and stardom platforms like that. What, and Serena Williams and others, how, mm-hmm. uh, where, where do, where are their voices heard in this conversation? Well, yeah. I mean, like think about Skylar Diggins Smith, right? She's a fantastic WNBA player, but uh, she's a huge advocate for women's rights because she had to deal with having a baby, then trying to get back out on the court. Um, and she's a superstar, but wasn't getting treated with the same kind of respect that a man would um, and wasn't being like, I, I don't know. It, it honestly comes down again to respect. Like people just don't realize the things that she was dealing with, with, you know, having a kid and she's a mom first, but yet she's this total WNBA superstar. Um, so I think that like the more people who are coming out again with um, who have, you know, kids, um, people like Maya Moore who are coming out and saying, you know, I'm taking time off because I'm doing something bigger with my purpose, you right. know, something bigger than basketball this right, year. That's right. That's right. Um, it's just, you know, sometimes it takes something like that for us to just sit back and say, whoa, like life is bigger than sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet sports does bring us together and remind us of those things. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of, um, I feel like it's good because sports is evolving into more of a platform for people to share, um, you know, their purpose. And it's less about as much as there are protests and stuff, it's less about the protests anymore. And it's more about showing and inspiring people to create change. Right. Right. Rightfully so for sure. So right now you're in Miami, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course. And um, there is definitely something that um, you're doing down there. Can you explain to us, uh, your movement and some of the things that you'll be doing um, outside of the Super Bowl, of course. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll be hosting my show a couple times here down in Miami. Um, I'll have a studio set up in a couple locations. Um, so I'll be hosting my After Orange Slices podcast down here and have um, some different like ab- athletes, celebrities, just, um, you know, local cool people coming down onto the show and then I'll be um covering some different events um I'm going to 
a charity gala tonight to cover that. Um, so it's going to be fun because I get a little bit of a mix between sports events and media stuff and, you know, mixing it in with more of the charity philanthropic side of things. Um, and of course, I'll mix a little bit of fun in here and there, um, which I'm excited for. But um, honestly, I'm stressing out a little bit right now because people are running around like crazy since I'm staying downtown and there was just an earthquake earlier today that uh, has caused a tsunami warning here and people are evacuating right now. So it's just a little chaotic. Yeah, definitely. Our prayers go out to you because we could definitely wouldn't want to lose somebody else um, oh, to a travesty there for sure. So um, obviously there's a game Sunday. Um, there's a big game. Uh, Mike and I have been uh, flipping hairs. Big game, Super Sunday. You got the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got the 49ers. Obviously, you're a Cali girl. You you get to see a lot of local Niner games and stuff like that. So, um, it, 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 could you tell us your first thoughts on that and, and what should we expect in that game? Well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll be honest. I've seen the Chiefs play more than the Niners probably since I'm a Chargers fan and since the Chiefs are – in the Chargers division, um, you know, I've honestly watched the Chiefs play more in person than the Niners. Um, so I honestly am just so excited for Andy Reid to finally have a shot at the big one again. I mean, he has been in this league for so long. He is a Hall of Fame coach. Um, he just deserves it more than anybody. As much as, you know, Kyle Shanahan has things rocking and rolling in San Francisco right now, I just think it is Andy Reid's time. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a – Obviously, Hall of Fame quarterback, caliber quarterback um, has proved that the last few years. But really, I think that Andy Reid is just so deserving of this shot. He has made things work with so many different kinds of rosters. Um, I'm just I'm so excited to watch the Chiefs here. And um, yeah, I mean, my my money's on them. But I, I do think it's going to be a close one. So we'll see. Yeah. And, and Mike, you've you've discussed this as well. We That's kind of been a knock on. Uh, Andy Reid's career, right? Since Philadelphia, he's he's won everywhere. Yep. But come postseason time, um, that that's been a knock. Like he hasn't won the big game. So, and, and Mike, I know that you're rolling with the Chiefs because of that narrative, aren't you? I sure am. I'm rolling with the Chiefs. They, they, this um, I I I, I want um, I want the 49ers to win, but I'm rolling with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs. <laughs> I think I think like like Bridget was saying, this this Andy Reid effect, like. The fact that he came back and got all the way back to the Super Bowl, this almost feels like destiny. It's his time. It it really does feel like that because, like I said last week, Sebi, when you look at his when you look at his resume, any coach when their career is over would love to have a resume like Andy Reid's. He's he has everything you need except the Super Bowl championship. Yeah. But once he right. gets that Super, Bowl, I think this is the time. Patrick, I don't. I, I think the Forty uh, ers have a better defense. I think the Forty ers have a better yeah. running game. But I think Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this team will find a way to make it happen. I think the defense is going to play better than people think. I think these all the the offense, the offensive weapons is is going to be able to attack attack this zone uh, 49ers defense a little bit in the passing game, which which could possibly set up the run later on in, in the third and fourth quarter. I just I just think Andy Reid. I think I think San Francisco is running to a, a team that is almost of destiny. Is this is almost a destiny with this Kansas City Chiefs team? So I'm gonna roll with the Chiefs. It's like like Bridget said, it's gonna be a dog fight. It's gonna be a nail bite. It's gonna be back and forth. Patrick Mahomes is probably gonna have to have one of those all world type of games and come up with something out of pull, pull a trick out of a bag in the fourth quarter and really make this happen. But uh, I'm definitely going with the Chiefs. The Chiefs. I think Andy Reid finally gets that Super Bowl championship. 
Wow, 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 will that be? Well, I hate to be the odd man out here. <laughs> I'm going to go with the 49ers, but I, I tell you guys, this is awfully close. Oh, man. Um, you, look, you look at the Chiefs, you look at the 49ers, these two teams obviously have been the best teams in their respective conferences. Um, I, I think the Chiefs and their, and their own respect has been impressive, right? So they, they, they got off hot. Mahomes got hurt midseason, and Matt Moore had to come in to kind of keep them afloat. Uh, they lost two games in that stretch, and then Mahomes get back, and they've been the best offense in the NFL since then, since middle mid week eleven on. Um, but I, I'm gonna roll with the with the Niners here because I think uh, two weeks to prepare. I would say the Chiefs defense they they saw who Derrick Henry was, but they didn't have an opportunity. So I guess that would kind of like help them uh, with a running game like Matt Breda and Mozart in this game, but. I think the defense is is gonna win. They there's this old saying, defense win championships. And if you don't have time to throw in that pocket for Patrick Mahomes because of those four first round picks, I think they're gonna be able to create havoc. I think they're gonna be able to kind of manufacture turnovers. And when turnovers happen with a team like this, the 49ers will capitalize. So I wanna be wrong. I want <laughs> I actually want the Golden Boy Mahomes and Andy Reid to ride down the sunset, but I'm going to have to go with the 49ers in this one. And it's so tough, Seven, because the San Francisco 49ers have been so dominant all year, but not only just dominant, but they've shown you they have shown you they can win in multiple different ways. Jimmy G can go down and, and win a shootout if he needs to in the Dome against Drew Brees. You know, they can win a, a slugfest defensive battle where they run the football a majority of the time, and Jimmy G only plays eight and throws eight passes. Like, this is a multi-dimensional team, so that's why it's so tough, but it's something about going against Andy Reid right now. Something something about this just feels like it's time. And and Bridget, do you think two weeks to prepare? Uh, we know Andy Reid as great as he is schematically as an offensive mind. Do you think the two weeks kind of helped them in, in a way to kind of scheme things that the 49ers aren't good? Because I, I know in these two weeks he's using a lot of uh, preparation to see what teams were successful against the 49ers and what plays were su- successful against that great defense. So do you think the two weeks is, is, a, is a bit of a, a blessing for Andy Reid in that offense? You know, I always say this, like, during the season, the a bye week could be either be an edge or a defeat for a team, you know, depending on if they come off of a loss or if they come off of a huge win. Um, So it's kind of like I think of it a little bit as a bye week, but – instead of these guys like really taking the time off, they're so much more locked in than any other week. So um, it's, I, I honestly think about it as if, gosh, like the chiefs have been here so many times in the last few years, like they've been in the playoffs so many times, they know what it's like to almost get to the championship game. Um, and so they want it so bad. So, but the Niners, you know, they're still off that high of, holy cow, we're having this amazing season. You know, everyone counted us out the last couple of years. Look at how we turned things around. Um, so it's kind of like, I think the Chiefs are going to come up and slide behind them and say, whoa, hey, you guys were getting too excited there. Um, you know, we're going to take this thing. Wow. Awesome. We should definitely see February 3rd. The stage is set in Miami. The Sniders are looking for their sixth Lombardi trophy to tie with the Patriots and Steelers. And the... Chiefs are looking for their first Lombardi in 50 years since mm-hmm. Super Bowl four. And how fitting would that be if they win in Super Bowl 54? Yeah. 50 years. Right. Uh, how fitting would that be there for sure? Um, so Bridget, I know this is tight. Um, so before you leave here, I like to 
obviously let yourself know and our audience know where they can find you and all of your streaming social media platforms. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you guys want to connect with me, you can definitely find me on my Instagram after orange slices or on my Twitter at Bridget Case underscore. Um, and you can find my podcast on anywhere you listen to podcasts at um, on the After Orange Slices podcast. So yeah, that's pretty much it. But thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 100%. You stay safe down there. No uh, doubt, Bridget. Of all of those, uh, yeah. you know, storms and stuff like that. God, and uh, yeah, stay safe out there in Miami. It's a pretty dangerous city. For y'all down there. <laughs> yeah. No doubt, Bridget. It was nice meeting you. You too. So nice to meet you. Thanks for having me, you guys. No doubt. Absolutely no problem. And thank you, everyone. Folks, don't go anywhere because when we come back, our Seattle's finest, the guru, live in Mobile, Alabama. We'll have him chime in as he dives in and talks to us about the Senior Bowl. This and much, much more live inside the studios of WNSC. back here in the Sebi Podcast radio show. Folks, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast shows wherever you go on all streaming social media platforms. You can find us everywhere in every site and everywhere in the internet, folks. Don't forget, RDV Sports Complex. RDV Sports Complex, the largest sports complex in Central Florida, hands down. From figure skating, ice skating, to floor hockey, to basketball court fitness gyms, tennis, you name it, we've got it. Miss Stephanie Org has invited everyone here in the Central Florida area to RDV Sports Complex, a capacity of 38 acres wide. RDV Sports Complex, myself and Michael Gray, tell them we sent you. You won't miss a beat. And we're back here, folks. My next guest here, they call him the guru, the voice of the West, Seattle's finest. He was in the Past, this past week at the Senior Bowl at Mobile, Alabama. My man, my partner, the guru. What is going on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sebby, man, it's been a while. Big Mike, man. <laughs> I thought you all forgot about me, man. No, and y'all don't mind me right now. I'm in the heart of Seattle. So I know y'all hear me. I'm in the heart of Seattle. Don't mind the background noise, baby. Don't mind that. <laughs> nah, we can't forget about you, Guru, man. All is well. How about you, man? Man, living the dream, man. Living the dream, man. I'm blessed, man. Just real quick, man. I know we all had the sad news, man. Especially me flying out of uh, Mobile, being on a plane. It's sad about the whole Kobe Bryant situation, man. So I'm happy to talk to you guys, man. I'm so blessed, man. I hope you guys, you know, um, kiss and hug your loved ones before we all did this show, man. For sure. Yes, for absolutely, sure. man. You don't know when your last breath is here. Tomorrow is never promised. So we we want we, we were thrilled that you made it back from Mobile to Seattle for sure. So you are the football guy. They say, and Lestro say in his words, the guru knows all. Is that <laughs> I, I think that's what they say. So, being down there in Mobile, Alabama with all those seniors, uh, uh, talk to us some of the guys that you, you saw out there. 
Uh, obviously, you know, going there is the first, I call this the initial stage before those guys get that check. You know, you always got to get that check. Just like the presidential race, before you become a president, you got to go to go to the Iowa caucus. You know what I'm saying? You got to win the Wisconsin primaries. So there's certain things you got to do. So be a senior, get drafted, you got to go to Mobile. And some of the big names you guys are familiar with is good quarterback because it's a quarterback league, man. It's the sexy guys, man. This is sexy league. So it's all about the QBs. So I was able to see Justin Hubert, um, a great quarterback, senior quarterback from Oregon, top 10 quarterback. I was able to see um, Jordan Love. I was able to see Jalen Hurts. So I had the ability to see all those big-time guys now that's going to be, you know, helping some of maybe your team fan base uh, go to the next level. Yeah, for sure. So so it is a quarterback leave. We all love our offenses for sure. So let's talk about the quarterbacks, right? Jalen Hurts and and Justin Herbert. I've got Justin Herbert in my top 10 when, when I did my uh, draft stock. But I've got Jalen Hurts as a late first rounder. So when you evaluate both of these guys from what you saw, what did you see? Absolutely, man. I think uh, it's uh, you guys are gonna hear quite a bit about the Justin Love. I mean, I mean, I'm um, Jordan Love. Everybody love Jordan Love. If your last name is L O V E, everybody love that shit, man. Trust me. So I understand. <laughs> but the biggest guy I like in person I saw that I really won this week was uh, um, Hubert, man. I think he came in there and he won the week, man. He looked good. He looked poised. He was making tours. And one thing I liked about him, man, is every time you're standing around, as a group, I look for little things. When I, when I see him standing around, I see the other guys gravitate to him, the other quarterback, like Montez from Colorado, grabbed it to him. You never saw Justin by himself. You see other guys around him. So that showed me he's a, you know, that's, that shows he's attractive. He's attractive to, uh, uh, to, to teammate. He makes other people better. And one thing I loved about it when I was watching the seven on seven and the uh, and the team drills is there was a couple of times I love when he checked down and threw the ball away. He didn't try to force the ball. In a couple of situations I looked, I'm like, man, everybody's covered, and he just dumped it down. He was so far ahead as far as his cerebral and IQ. I think Justin Hubert by far solidified himself as a top five to top ten pick in the draft with his performance this week uh, in, in Mobile. Go ahead, Mike. Be a leader of. Leader of men, even on the collegiate level, I, I loved it because you know the mechanics. Mm -hmm. The mechanics is something that he's going to work on because he just loves football. But you could just see those intangibles, those leadership intangibles. Those are some of the keys that a lot of these NFL teams are looking for when they're looking to build from a franchise quarterback. So he made he made a great point about Justin Herbert. He's somebody I've definitely been paying attention to over the last couple of years for sure. Yeah, definitely. Now, now I know Guru, you, you, you guy, right? You're the guy that studies the DBs. You're the guy that studies the safeties. Anything defensive-oriented, it's the guru's specialty. So talk to us about anybody in the defensive side of the football that stood out to you. The defense, man. So, so this draft is an offensive draft. I'll be honest with you, man. The receivers kind of dominated out there, man. Vance Jefferson from Florida. He was just making he was making the DBs do circles out there, man. His route running ability, man, from Jeff, I mean from Florida. He was high level. KJ Hill from Ohio State. I mean, you get bad boy. That's a yeah. bad boy. Oh my God, I love KJ Hill, man. I fell in love. He was making all my DBs look bad, man. I'm talking about my DBs look like they want spend. But KJ Hill dominated. I was a big KJ Hill fan. He went in there and he solidified himself as a top three best route runner coming out of this draft, man. I love what KJ Hill did. Strong, strong arms, man. 
and a tight end wise, man. Watch out for this dude from Florida Atlantic, man. He killed it, man. He killed it, the tight end, man. Belichick was right there. I was with Bel Bill Belichick, man. He was watching the tight end just to give you an inside info. From Florida Atlantic, man, that tight end, I saw Belichick's eyes staring at him. I was staring at him, man. That kid looked good all week, man. Watch out for him to be a Patriots, man, because I was evaluating the kid. The kid looked good. So I was very happy with the tight ends. Obviously, I got to talk about my secondary, my corners. Obviously, I got to talk about my corners, man. I got a couple of guys I communicated with, and I got a highlight, man. Dane Jackson from Pittsburgh. Pitt is slowly becoming one of them DBU schools, man. They produce DBs on the low. Man, they got LeBlanc. I mean, they got Maddox from the Eagles a couple years ago. So I loved um, Dane Jackson. Also, everybody loved big corners. You guys know I'm a Nebraska guy. Go Big Red. And, of course, I got to talk about Lamar Jackson. Yes, <laughs> I'm not talking about the quarterback. I'm talking about the cornerback. Yep. Lamar Jackson, 6'3", yes, 215 pounds, man. Had a solid week over there, man. He's a raw prospect. But if you're a cover three team, if you're Pete Kell, if you're, if you're Dan Quinn, man, if you're the 49ers, man, you looking for a game, a, a, a ball hawk? Man, no one better than Lamar Jackson from Nebraska. Definitely mm -hmm. there, definitely there. And, and and there's a lot of cats that didn't show up, obviously. Uh, the big one, Joe Burrow, and, and two of uh, those, those seniors there and stuff like that. But um, uh, talk to us about, you know, a, a guy that didn't, that was so big, but that didn't really, you know, uh, throw you out the ballpark. Somebody that you thought that was really dominant, but didn't have like a, a good performance. Uh, somebody I didn't really have, you know, the thing about in this type of league, especially in the all-star game, because the, you're going against random guys. You have maybe an hour or two of practicing. So I don't really try to beat up on the guy. But one guy that I saw that I thought had a horrible, horrible week. Uh, let me just take that back. Got to have a, a struggle this week was University of Washington center, man. He's a little center, but you know right now with this coach, um, with the 49ers, I run the zone scheme, so they, their center's a little bit smaller. This guy, man, he was getting basically pounded all over the field, man. Every time he went against a big defensive lineman or somebody big and strong, he basically just got molly walk. And I just noticed that because, you know, I'm a defensive guy, so when I see the center, when they said hike, the center is playing safety by the quarterback. I'm like, oh, man. What's going on, bro? What's going on? So the center for the University of Washington, I'm very close to that. He, you know, I'm in Seattle. I'm a UW guy. So obviously he struggled um, throughout the week. But he still, his scheme, his scheme fit is a zone concept scheme because he's agile and he can move. But as far as a power running team, put it like this, the Tennessee Titans don't want nothing to do with them. i tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that there for sure. The guru live on the panel with us tonight on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, no doubt, guru. That's um, uh, it's it's a it's a great point you made about the the center because it, it's funny because you said he's short, so the short centers always had the leverage uh, uh, advantage over everybody. So right. for him to get dominated dominated consistently, that means either you know he's lighting the tail or he just doesn't have it because. I've always, I've always, as a defensive lineman playing in my day, I always hated going against short centers or short linemen in general because that would force me to get even lower than them. So to see mm -hmm. a center, so to, to hear about a center that already has that lower center of gravity, already has that lower, you know, extremity where he could just uh, cock back and he's already there. To hear him continue to get blown off the ball, that's that that, that that's a that's a bit disturbing to me. 
Uh, absolutely, and I think it's a big disturbance to him and his draft stocks as well. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a big disturbance. But another thing I want to give a shout-out to, shout-out to Notre Dame, man. Tony Pride Jr., man. Y'all remember this that, name? That, that's man. a bad boy. That's oh, a bad man, boy, Man, Tony Pride Jr., shout-out to Tony Pride, man. I had a great conversation with him, man. The dude blew it out the waters, man, this week, man. He earned himself some check. I didn't, I, I, I didn't forget about you. I know I'm in love with Dane Jackson, and I know I love my Lamar Jackson. I love the Jackson, baby. Yes, I love my Jackson. Well, you know what? That boy, Tony Pride, man, he did his thing, man. I'm not even going to play around. Tony Pride is going to sneak in as a second-round pick, man, from Notre Dame. And I love his boy over there in the safety. Man, Elliot. Elliot was a cover safety, man. I couldn't believe Elliot could cover, man. Improving Elliot. I saw what you did this week. Notre Dame, stand up, man. Brian Kelly got NFL guys in Notre Dame, bro. Notre Dame got players. They say, they, they say they're, they're, they're Catholics, but the fighting Irish has definitely made some prospects out there in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, uh, quickly here, uh, uh, Guru, I know you haven't made your, your, your first round uh, 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 you know, mock draft or anything like that. But tell us somebody in the top 10 that is not there yet, but can creep in that top 10 that we're not talking about. We're not talking about, I remember this kid right here, man. This is the new Earl Thomas. I found a new Earl Thomas, oh. man. Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm. Out of Minnesota. This dude is a man. This dude is the number one. I know Grant Delford, y'all love him from LSU, but Antonio Winfield Jr. is the real deal, holy field, and the Google stamped him. If you're the Dallas Cowboy, you need a safety. If you're any team that need a safety, you can't miss out on Antoine Winfield Jr. The Google double stamped him, baby. He's that legal. <laughs> the Google double stamps on him for sure. Anybody in the late stock, like a sixth or a seventh rounder, you know, Belichick does a great job. Kind of a Quinn Snyder, a couple of these uh, great. Hey, I always you. find gems hey. in the sixth and seventh round. Who's that? I like, I like, I like this kid. He might not be fit. He might not make it that long because his stock might be rising in the tight end position. Because you all know what happened to New England with the lack of tight end. We all saw what happened to the 49ers with tight end. Y'all got to emphasize the tight end position is starting to be key, man. Okay. And there's a tight end that I love, man. The kid from LSU, man. I can't remember his name right now. Thaddeus Moss. Thaddeus Moss. Yeah. Moss, yes. Lil Moss. Yeah, Randy Moss's son from LSU, man. He's a raw prospect. Uh, um, I, I expect him. But he's also the backup, the other backup from LSU. The senior this year balled out as well. I expect big things from him. And another, just a tight end. From Portland State, man. I can't pronounce this dude's name. He's some Samoan dude. He got his name, his last name is like 26 letters long, man. But he's from Portland <laughs> State, bro. Remember this good kid's kid name. He got the ability, man, and he has the talent, man. He might be one of them sixth or seventh round tight end. You see in three years, you're like, man, I wish I had him in my fantasy league. Man, this fool I'm moving my mood to. Some name like that. He's a beast. You're gonna remember his name, man. Just like we didn't know. Giannis Atukokumpo, it took us four years to spell his name and know his name. In about two years, you're going to know about this dude from Portland State's name. <laughs> oh, man, the guru, the guru knows all for sure with his film room breakdown, folks. Definitely listen to that and tune in on Instagram at Guru's Film Room for sure. Uh, a guy, a, a team like the Giants, you know, uh, Mike bleeds big blue a lot. Uh, what should the Giants do? Obviously, they got a second pick. They got multiple picks in the first three rounds. The guru, I, I know Mike wants to be intrigued about this. Where do you hey, see the Giants go? I, I saw Gettleman, man. Gettleman almost had to give me a job, man. I was I was right there with Gettleman, Big Mike. Gettleman oh, was yeah. right there. I just seen him with me. And Gettleman was the next guy shoulder to shoulder, man. I'm looking at Dave. I'm like, Dave, man, you need me. But you know what? I ain't free. You know, I'm an independent contractor. 
But you know, you know, but for you guys, you guys got to definitely do something as far as the offensive line. Always, you got to protect your guy. He was looking at a couple of tackles, uh, a, a right tackle. I know he's he was definitely keeping an eye on because you got to protect your your investment. Um, I know that's a big thing, and also you got to give him more weapons, man. Do um, Slayton is all right, but you need a little bit more. So I'm looking at him, looking at the skill position, and obviously in that division, man, you guys need help in the defense as far as secondary. Oh, you have goodness. nobody in the secondary, but this oh, is not man. a. It's not a big-time corner draft, so I won't really uh, forecast a big corner jump, but you guys are going to help yourself out as far as the offensive line this draft. Hey, Google, let me ask you something real quick. I, we, we, need, we need help defensively a lot, secondary as well, but we need some linebackers bad. Was there any linebackers that stood out to you out there in the senior bowl? Unfortunately, um, other than the top-tier linebackers, it's going to come out in the first 10, the t- first 10, 15-round pick. There's a drop-down as far as linebackers, man. There's a major drop-down oh, in, in talent level with the linebackers. You have your first tier, and everybody else is basically uh, – they have their, their specialists. They could be either coverage guys or they could be a, a banker. So they just have specialists, not really a complete overall aspect. Right. Wow, okay. wow, that's for sure. We got a big game on Sunday. Obviously, the Chiefs and the 49ers. Mike and I have been button heads. We split on our pick. Lou, I want to give this to you, the guru. Who is the guru picking after his breakdown? Ma'am, I've broken down. I've been breaking down all year, man. The guru is going with the 49ers, man. I'm telling you, uh-huh. Kyle Shannon, it's too, it's too different the way I look at it. The offense and defense line is one wins the Super Bowl, man. It's offense and D-line. It ain't this pretty position, and it's not the skilled players. You can look at it through our history. Every cute team that has the best passing team, the cutest receivers, they get smacked in the first two quarters, and that's done for, man. I think the 49ers to Courtney's squad, and I think Fred Warner is the best, best, best um, uh, um, coverage linebacker in the NFL nobody ever heard of, and I think I think Kelsey's going to realize that. Fred Warner, remember this name. Fred Warner's going to get a tip ball somewhere, cause a turnover, and the 49ers win 45-42 in mm. Miami. Wow, wow. Wow. That's cool. that'll that'll be, that'll be the six Lombardi trophies. Yes, this is the stride for six, baby. NFC West, the best division in football. <laughs> they heard it there from the guru there as well. Mike, any thoughts? Yeah, definitely, man. I, I I agree with him about the trenches. When they, when you look at the San Francisco O line and the defensive line, I mean, the, their best competition every day. Right. So when they go out on Sunday, they 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 they're they're going against an inferior opponent in their opinion. So he he makes a great point. But it's something about that Andy Reid's that I'm just I'm going to lean towards Kansas City. I want the 49ers to win, but I'm going to lean towards Kansas City. I think I think Andy, I think it's Andy Reid's time. And everybody wants Andy Reid time, but you know the crazy thing I always tell people on my last thing before I leave you guys is we, the reason why we all love Andy Reid, what made Andy Reid great is we, he's the lovable loser. That's what make Andy Reid. We all don't feel sorry for him, but we all feel good for him because he's a lovable loser, man. And he's going to continue his lovable loser because we're going to love him some more and everybody's going to want him to win. But unfortunately, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are a better total overall team than the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think I would agree with that. I think we're an overall team roster-wise, would be the 49ers. But I, I think what, what people are banking on is Andy Reid and the continuity with Patrick Mahomes to make something special uh, for the Chiefs. But nevertheless, we're only four days away in Miami, Super Bowl 54, the Chiefs and the 49ers. The guru, before you leave us today, tell us some of our audience where they can find you. Definitely. You can find me, obviously, on IG Specialist, man, with the – at Google's film room, y'all know what it is, man. That's where that's my home base. That's my that's my central, man. Y'all go Guru's film room, plain and simple, man. The G to the U to the R to the U. 
Yes, sir. The G to the R to the U is out here. It's a pleasure to have you here. But, Mike, when we wrap up, we'll go back to the NBA. A tribute to Kobe Bryant and also our top five picks and wrap up this week's top power rankings. This and much, much more inside the studios of WNSC. Hi, I'm Alwyn Morgan Jr. with Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And I would love to give a special thanks to the Sebi Podcast crew and all that they do to keep me update with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If this sounds like you, please reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs and be sure to let us know that Sebi Podcast sent you. Thank you. We're back here on our final segment today, the Sebi Podcast radio show live inside the studios of WNSC. My two outstanding guests with it that just joined us. Yeah, definitely, man. Two great guests, two great uh two great people around and just just two two insightful minds. Two two, two people that, you know, at one point or, or currently still do have a passion for the sports thing. And, you know, just the hearing hearing Bridget talk about women empowerment and, you know, the and the mental health and you know, hearing Guru's passion and energy for this for the sport that we that we loved and love to cover and stuff. It was it was amazing. Amazing for sure. And and from excitement to, of course, mourn the NBA, uh, the death of Kobe Bryant has taken a lot of people by storm. You, you talk about being a global icon. This is just more than just the game of basketball. Obviously, we know how uh, global it is internationally. You've got soccer players from European clubs. Uh, I mean, you've got African nations, you know, adorned the great of Kobe Bryant. And then now, the NBA and thoughts of perhaps honoring Kobe with either the retirement of his jersey on every team or perhaps the logo. Uh, news about that, Mike? Yeah, definitely, man. It's, um, I saw Dallas already already has done it. I believe it's another team out there has done it as well. But that 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 has to happen. I mean, this is this is just another way to honor a, a great and a, like like you say a, glo- a global icon. My personal favorite player of all time, and uh, in my opinion, the greatest player of this generation. It's, a, it's an ab- absolute great way to honor him. Wow, wow, definitely there for sure. Um, Kobe Bean Bryant, our hearts go out to them and the family as well. Miss Vanessa and the three daughters that remain. We know that Gigi was gone as well in that tragic, catastrophic um, uh, helicopter crash in uh, Southern California. So our hearts and uh, and and condolences go out to the families there as well, there for sure. So uh, another great week of the NBA, of course, despite our heavy hearts. Um, we look at our Power Five this week, Mike. Now all of a sudden we see the shaping coming in in midseason form. Four of the top five teams in this power ranking this week are in the Western Conference. The constant has been the Milwaukee Bucks all year long, Mike. They're the first team to crack forty wins already. Think about this. They're on pace 
to be the third highest winning percentage team in NBA history behind the 96 Bulls and the 2016 Golden State Warriors behind Steve Kerr. They're on pace to have 71 wins, Mike. How crazy would that be? Led by the Greek Freak, of course. And then the four Western Conference teams are the Los Angeles Lakers with uh, the Utah Jazz coming at three, the Clippers at four, and then the rise of the Denver Nuggets at five. Uh, your thoughts in this week's power rankings? Conference, when I, when I want to start, I want to start with the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz continue to be one of the more hotter teams in the country. I mean, if you look at the record ever since they've acquired Jordan Clarkson and put and moved uh, Mike Conley to the bench, I mean it's it's been it's been it's been it's been special. And you know the rotations have been great. Everybody's contributing. Donovan Mitchell continues to improve week after week after week. Uh, I love what I'm saying from the Lakers again. Obviously, um, they they had a little stretch there without AD where they were they were still winning games. Uh, the Lakers continue to be steadfast, and the Clippers, of course. The Clippers have been rotating, you know, low injury management with um, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George with his minor injuries. So it's for them to still be in the float and be in the conversation, that's special as well. And on the east, east side, uh, Milwaukee. I mean, what, what what more can we say about Milwaukee, Sebi? I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo is on his way to leading uh, this team to the best record in the league once again and also on pace to possibly win another back-to-back MVP. So uh, I love what I'm seeing from Milwaukee, and uh, I'm looking forward to them being dominating the playoffs. And also, um, but one team before I get finished the East, one team, I, one one player I do want to give a, a special shout out to is Damian Lillard. He's been he's been absolutely sensational. He's been bonkers, year. Mike. Oh, it was ridiculous. But uh, but back to the East. Um, I love what I'm seeing from Milwaukee. Philly has been been coming on lately. Had a big win on Saturday against the Lakers. Um, and I I love what uh, Boston Boston has been steady. You know, they had a tough loss against New Orleans on Sunday night, but, you know, obviously emotions were high for everybody that night. And um, it, it's, been, it's, been, it's been tough. One team I've, I've really uh, been intrigued with, but they've slipped over the last about week or so, but it's the Indiana Pacers. This Indiana right. Pacers team is still playing pretty solid basketball. They haven't won as many games cons- consistently as they started off, but this is still a very good good basketball team, and they're, they're, they're making things happen, so. Yeah, and I think that team is just waiting for their leader. Their emotion in Victor Oladipo, he gets back. He get, he should be back as early as uh, the next 48 hours. We'll see if Dave, Dave McMillan uh, pulls off those strings and makes his season debut. So we'll see on that. But back to that top five, um, Mike, you talk about – you want to talk about the MVP campaign. I think Kawhi Leonard is starting to make noise, right? Uh, he's right now eight straight games of 30 points plus oh a game. <laughs> Come on now, Mike. Come on. Uh, this is the guy that I anointed as the best player in the game, and 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 LeBron James, all he's done this season is, is try to re, 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 recover that crown, or, or maybe Giannis try to get that crown. But eight straight games of thirty points or more. I mean, and, and the teams that they've beat: Miami in Miami. This is a Miami team that had only one loss at, uh, and, and so Kawhi Leonard being the catalyst and the leader without Paul George, waiting for him to get back. And then for them to make that lip second half playoff push, so Kawhi Leonard has been a catalyst. So there hasn't been much load management lately. Kawhi has been playing, and he has been changing and being the catalyst on that. And then the other team is Jazz, of course. I mean, come on, Mike. They're, they're hotter than fish grease. <laughs> come on. Uh, 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 with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert to me needs to be an all-star. That, that guy right there? two-time back-to-back reigning defensive player of the year. They call him the Stifle Tower. He, he is a tower when you go in that paint. I mean, he alters shots. He's the type of guy that makes you think about coming in the paint and, and kicking out. 
and what Quinn Snyder's has done with, with the uh, shift changes on the roster. And then I, I think, of course, what they've done with Royce O'Neal, inserting him in the lineup as well after getting him that uh, extension there. He's paid dividends to be in that backcourt with Donovan Mitchell uh, as well, having that one-two punch. So they can always have three guards at all times for the Utah Jazz. And for such a great defensive team, their offensive numbers has been staggering thus far. Being second in the West right now, being in contention as a a, a, a contender for a championship. And, and all of that has to be credited for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, definitely, man. This Utah team, what Quinn Snyder's doing with this ball club, they're rounding into form and looking like the team we anticipated them to look like at the start of the season. Obviously, when you acquire new new players and you're trying to implement new new people into a, a certain scheme, obviously there's going to be trials and tribulations and adverse situations. But the Utah Jazz have continued to, you know, uh, be steadfast and, and be like professionals and continue to learn the offense, learn the scheme, and it's it's bold dividends for them. And all all they all it takes sometimes is a couple pieces, a couple of years, and you, you turn out to be a successful ball club. Yeah, no, it's definitely there as well. I think the NBA's done a great thing postponing that Lakers and Clippers game. I mean, every time they tune in, we want to see the Battle of L.A. But it was the right thing, Mike, for them on TNT to do that and make sure that they postponed that game there for sure. I thought that was a great gesture by Adam Silver, by the entire staff of the NBA uh, commission board to postpone that game with all the heavy hearts that's going on in L.A. Uh, there for sure. Uh, uh, Mike? A guy told me that the rest of the the the, the rest of the season, um, you're gonna see a different LeBron James and a different Kawhi Leonard in the midst because of the catastrophic events that occurred. Can we see that? Can we see one of these, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of these guys drop? I mean, average thirty or forty for the rest of the season, knowing that the rest of the season is going to be for Mr. Kobe Bean Bryant. Plenty of it. I'm telling you, you're going to see so many different players lock in on a different type of level, especially those players who Kobe touched on a, in a, on a different level. When you look at what Buddy Hill was able to do yesterday, uh, you know, he was inspired by Kobe. Kobe was – and he just – when it came to the last part, he just went into a different mode. So, definitely, for sure, these, these guys, it's going to be certain players in this league, especially the ones that Kobe touched and Kobe was a real influence on that are going to lock in this last part of the season and really gear, gear on to it and, and make ways in the playoffs. Yeah, and you talked about just the impact that he left. Jason Tatum, a guy that uh, uh, Kobe, uh, he said he looked up to. DeMar DeRozan, a Compton kid yep. uh, growing up in his high school, a guy that he revered. Kyrie, uh, Paul Kyrie. George, guys guys like uh, Trey Young and Devin Booker. Did you see that stat, Mike? Devin Booker and Trey Young equaled 81 points, the infamous 81 points that Kobe made against the Raptors in 2006, and they all did it in 24 shots. I thought, what a coincidence was that? It sure was. I mean, it's just it's just the universe working. Yeah, that's how the universe works. And, you know what I mean, it's, it's just good energy in the air. Kobe Kobe is here. Kobe is still here, whether or not he's here, he's here in the physical presence or the spiritual presence. He's still here, and he's touched he's touched too many people not to still be here. You know, so yeah, it's just that's just the way the universe works. Right, right. Before we leave here, I thought it would be just – to go ahead and and state some of our greatest Kobe moments in oh, the hardwood. Cool. Uh, um, uh, one that stands out to me, Mike, is in 2009. Um, it, it was, I think it was the semis against the Utah Jazz, right? Yeah. It was the semis right before the Denver series with a young JR and a young Carmelo Anthony when they were coming on their own. 
It was game three. The series was tied at one. Kobe Bryant goes into the confines of Salt Lake City, and, and we know how hostile of an environment that is. Mike, I tell you, the great Jerry Sloan, and we know how great Jerry Sloan of, of a coach he was. They put Darren Williams on him. It was a bucket. They put Andre Karolinko on him. It was a bucket. They put Carlos Boozer on, on matchup switches. It was a bucket. Whatever the Jazz was doing, Kobe Bryant had an answer. Whatever we're talking fadeaways, the shimmy fadeaway, his patented move that he does, or whether it's on top of the key or at the wing, that to me was when the mamba mentality was full effect, and that was one of the more memorable moments on the hardwood for, about Kobe. Your thoughts? Great moment for me. That was that was a great moment for me as well. Just thinking, I was just thinking about all the fadeaway shots he made in that game and everything. Um, I can almost ne- replay every Kobe game in my head. I mean, it's 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 amazing thinking about it. it was some of the greatest moments. Obviously, the eighty-one point game. One of my one of uh, that entire two thousand five two thousand six season and the entire 2012-2013 season really resonate heavy with me because those were two seasons where he was handicapped as far as the the production around him, as far as the players that were around him. But he still was able to maximize the effort and maximize that potential to get all the way to get all the way to the uh, play to carry those teams both to the playoffs. Uh, the, the year that they both those years and. Um, the biggest moment I remember for me, Sebi, is this. I'm going to leave you with this. My favorite Kobe moment of all time was back in, I believe, 2002 or 2003. This was Kobe Bryant's last matchup against Michael Jordan. And two weeks prior to that matchup against uh, against the Wizards, Michael Jordan had told Kobe that you'll never fill my shoes. Kobe remembered that. And for two weeks straight, he didn't talk to coaches. He didn't talk to any of the players. He was ghost from everybody. Because he was locked in, and he went out in that game against Michael Jordan the last time they were faced against each other, and he dropped 55 points in that game and dropped 42 in the first half. He was on fire. He was unconscious. Let let Michael Jordan know what type of what type of dude he was messing with. Kobe had that super confidence about him coming into the league at, at 18 years old, and you know when you when you got a young cat like that, it's just at that at that point in time, it's just confidence. But most people knew that Kobe was serious. And Kobe was for real. And when you look back back at his career now, it's set in stone that, you know, he, he he was just one of those guys that Michael Jordan had to respect because Michael Jordan looked at him not only as a little brother, but somebody that, you know, was like my equal as far as on the court because he was a killer just as well, just as well as he was. Yeah, yeah, and, and definitely. So uh, another moment to me, Mike, that, that resonated with me, you early, that's number eight, Kobe. Uh, uh, there, yep. uh With, with Sha- Shaquille O'Neal and stuff like that. There was another moment where where uh, in in 2009 I, I i keep going here because that's that's the year that really resonated with me my first moment in the visitors locker room as as an eighth grader uh there was a moment where he won his fourth title there was a notion mike uh, that was going on that kobe can't win without Shaq, and so that was the the friction that happened in, in after 2004 and they lost to the Pistons. Right. That was the friction that happened in the locker room where they separated Shaquille O'Neal, obviously going to Miami and, and, and teaming up with D-Wade, uh, a vintage D-Wade at the moment, and then Kobe Bryant being the constant in the Lakers. But for all those years, the, the notion was he couldn't win with Shaquille O'Neal. And, and I thought the impact that he said is, no, I, I don't need an MJ. I don't need a Tim Duncan. I don't need a Shaquille O'Neal. I don't need a Dirk Nowitzki. I can do this as the face of the team. Give me a Gasol. Give me a young Lamar Odom off the bench. Give me a Sasha Papa Vujicic. Excuse me. 
and give me a Derek Fisher, and we're going to make things happen. And, and give me an Andrew Bynum at the time. And I thought that I keep going back to the 09 uh, year that Kobe winning that chip by himself and being the reason why, uh, it, to me, said that, that, okay, all right, there's the reason why he has the utmost confidence. There's the reason why we see the killer assassin's mentality. There's the Mumba assassin. And obviously, we know what you did next year is go back to back. And so I think those two rings, to me, are, are more significant because he did it alone. And he and he kind of, you know, quiet down the naysayers that said that he couldn't do it without Shaq. That's a great point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Th- those are the moments that, as a Kobe fan, will resonate with me because that's all we used to hear. He, he, he couldn't win it without Shaq. He had Shaq, you know. But people got to remember, like, when, when people say that, oh, we – he had Shaq, but Kobe held his own more than more than any any better than almost any number two that we've seen in the history of this game. Because it was times like I, I remember the series against Indiana in the finals when Shaq got fouled out in the, in the in the series deciding game, and Kobe came in and he closed the game out, and I believe he finished the game with like like twelve points in the fourth quarter in overtime. Like this 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 notion that you know Shaq carried Kobe and Kobe was just on the you know he was just riding the coattails. No. They, Shaq was Batman. Shaq was Batman. Uh, Shaq was Superman. Kobe was Batman. They both needed each other. There was no one A, one and two. There was one A, one A, and and that's and that right there is showing me that he can hold his own with another great, and then being able to win without him. You're right. Win without him, two of them, and go to three straight finals, but win two of them. That right there told me everything I needed to know. The, the time in 2007, 2008, once he got the slightest bit of help. After that, that, that three years, three years of uh, you know, not really right, right, right. That, that that was the, the arrival of Phil Jackson. Oh yeah. yeah, once in 2007, once he got the slightest bit of help from a player's perspective on the perimeter, and you know, guys like Lamar Odom and and, and Pau Gasol, guys like that. Once he got the slightest bit of help, you saw how great he was and what he could do with that. So that 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 resonates with me for sure. Yeah, definitely there for sure. One of the great offensive weapons the league's ever seen. Uh, one of the great defensive players, nine-time defensive. Uh, 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 selections on first team. People don't talk about that, especially in in his early years. Uh, he always tops in steals in the NBA, and of course, a seventeen time All Star selection. Only Kareem has more in the NBA. So uh, I, I mean, Kobe, one of the game's greatest closers as well. I, I think that his legacy will live on there for sure. Any last thoughts for you, Mike, before we uh, close down this tonight? Yeah, definitely, man. Um, just just. I want all Kobe fans out there to know that, you know, his legacy lives forever. And, you know, it's a tough time right now because it's so fresh. But at the end of the day, just continue continue to uh, grind, continue to work. Kobe will want everybody to have that Mamba mentality and to go after their dream or whatever they want and continue to push the culture forward. That's exactly what we're going to do. And we're going to continue to work, continue to grind and continue to chase our, chase our passions and our dreams in life. Yep, definitely there for sure. And, and 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 for all of the bad things going on right now, we have a game to look forward to. I think the Super Bowl will definitely galvanize America. I'm excited about that, Mike. Uh, um, this Chiefs and the 49ers, that's one thing I'm excited about as we head towards this weekend for sure, Super Bowl 54 in Miami. And for my voice and Mike's voice, we want to say so long from now in this gorgeous evening inside the studios of WNSC.